You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. If you've got your Bibles, can you turn to John chapter 11? We're going to keep her moving tonight. We've got a whole slew of people we're going to baptize. We are going to, it's a, that's a family ordeal. So it's an amazing thing to be a part of. John chapter 11. And then we're going to wait on the Lord again later. We've said this a lot. We like to worship, if you haven't noticed. If you don't like worship, this might not be the place for you. Um, Because we love God's presence. And um, we were made for him. We were made to worship. Your life um, was meant to be lived in worship. And not just in a corporate setting like this where we sing songs, but every part of your life. And I I better stop or I'm going to start a different message. So John chapter 11. I started this message a few weeks ago and didn't get very far, so we're going we're gonna to finish this evening. If you take notes, um, this message is called Jesus, my friend, and my king. Jesus, my friend, and my king. John chapter 11, this is a story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, a very... Um, familiar passage to many of us, but in this portion of scripture is painted to us such a beautiful picture of the Lord's ability to accomplish the things that he is going to accomplish because of his sovereign plan and also stop and love on the people who are important to him. In this, in this, this chapter, we can see Jesus as king And also Jesus as friend. Jesus can be many things all at once. So, in the beginning of John 11, we see this picture of Jesus. He's hanging out in the outskirts. He's kind of hanging out in the wilderness because people, everyone's trying to kill him. So he's kind of hanging out and he gets word that his friend Lazarus is sick. And so very early on in chapter 11, it says, Lord, in verse 3, it says, Lord, the sisters, meaning Mary and Martha, sent word, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified. So in this first two verses that we just read, we see Jesus established himself as friend. He loved Lazarus. That, the word in the Greek is phileo love, which means like a, he, he would do anything. It's like a, a, a devoted, like very endearing love. Like his, his heart just lights up every time he thinks of Lazarus. It's this very endearing Love, but also it says it's for God's glory that the Son might be glorified. So right away we have this this dynamic of Jesus learning that one of his friends is very sick and it was not caused by God. God will not does not cause sickness, so that's not what this is this is this saying. But he's saying, This one you love, your friend is sick. And Jesus and then it also is established that God's son will be glorified. You're gonna see God's son in a new way. So again, if you want to go back and listen to that message, you can listen to it a couple weeks ago. It's called Full Surrender. I'm not going to re-preach it here. But in verse 17, um, well, before that, they start 
arguing back and forth whether or not they should go back. And then these beautiful words of Thomas, they're, they're, they're arguing whether or not uh, they should go back because they're going to get killed. And then these beautiful words of Thomas in verse 16, he says, well, let's go with Jesus so that we may die with him. He said, well, we're going back, and I guess we're going to die. So um, how many of us have prayed that prayer? It's like, Lord, going into a situation saying, Lord, this is not going to end well for me, but I'm going to go anyway. That is, that is the epitome of, of surrender. Many times we surrender with strings attached. We say as like a means to an end. Lord, I surrender because I know it might get me what I really want. I'm going to surrender this uh, idea of this relationship, this future spouse that I might want or have, knowing that that's what I'll get. Instead of saying, Lord, whatever you want, that's what I want, even if it doesn't go the way that I want it to. So verse 17, and this is where we're going to spend our time in this portion of Scripture, and I'll try not to get off track tonight. It says this, On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus was, had already been in the tomb for four days. So, verses prior, Jesus gets a word of knowledge. Anytime there's a word of knowledge this clear, that it will be, um, the results will be evident. So Jesus says he's already died, and then they show up, and it says that he had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. As we read this story, I want, you, I want us to understand the, the grace in which God deals with us. We have Mary and Martha who seem like these opposite people. Martha is a woman of action, and, and Mary is a woman of, uh, of devotion. She's slow to, to move. She just wants to sit at the feet of Jesus. But throughout this story, I want us to see that Jesus will work. He, he will come to you dis, no matter what personality, what your, what your life is like, what you're like. The Lord can reach you. And there's nothing, um, I just got to keep going. I'm so sorry. Verse 21. So Martha gets up and she goes to Jesus in typical Martha fashion, a woman of action. So in verse 21, she says, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give whatever you ask. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of that last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Have you ever felt disappointed in how the Lord, you feel like God would have, should have done something? Have you ever been disappointed with how things in life turned out? In this story, you can sense, you can feel the disappointment. 
but you can also feel the faith. So there's three things we can see out of Martha's life here. One, we know that she's a devoted follower of Jesus. She is completely devoted to him. The second one is that she has faith. And the third is that, but her faith is limited. She said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Have you ever found yourself in that place with the Lord of not understanding what's going on and, and, and that feeling of almost disappointment with the Lord and saying, God, what is happening? What is going on? Here we see this place of Martha reaching the end of her faith, like the limit. She reached the ceiling of her faith. And what does Jesus do in response to that? It's not, he's not wagging a finger. He's not angry with her. But instead, he reveals himself further to her. Anytime that you come to the end of your faith, anytime you come to like the limit where you, you say, God, I just don't have any more faith to it. It's like you're standing at a doorway and Jesus is standing at that doorway and it's him opening the door and saying, come, walk through. Let me show you in a greater measure who I am. Every time we hit the limit of our faith, the end of it, it's an invitation to, to know him more. So that's what happens here. We see Jesus, we see Jesus say, I am the resurrection and the life. She's, she thinks he's talking about just the end of, the end of days when, or the, that last day when, when, when those who follow will rise again. But he's saying, no, no, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, and those are the key words, in me. It's the same as it's used a few chapters later when Jesus is talking about abiding in me. Those who will be found in me. Or like Colossians 3 says, those who are, uh, we, are we are hidden in his heart. We are hidden with Christ. It's like those who are, are protected, who are part, are, are, are folded into this family. They will see him in a greater way. They will see the glory of God in a way that they've not seen before. But listen, oftentimes we stop when we reach that limit of, and we just, so we, we reach that, that end of our, our faith or what we have capacity to believe for, and that's Okay. But we stop there. And so then we're like, well, maybe I'll just augment my prayers a little. Maybe I'll just not pray for as great of things. Lord, maybe it's your will for me to be sick. Maybe you don't want one of my kids to know you, Jesus. Or we just stop asking for such big things. You know that the Lord gives us what we ask. His word says, ask and you shall receive. Anything that you ask, you will receive. That word ask is like this continual asking in the Greek. It's this continual asking. It's not just a one-time thing. It's a continual contending. And that's what it is to go to that place of prayer. And it's like this continual thing of like contending until we have the breakthrough. Contending until we have the answer. Think about it. I think it's in Matthew 8 where there's this Roman centurion who comes to Jesus, and he's not a follower of Jesus, but he's hearing of the power of, of Jesus. And he comes to him, and he says, Lord, I have a servant who's very sick. Will you heal him? And Jesus says, yes, let's go. And he says, no, no, I, I'm a man of authority, and I understand authority, so I know that you can just speak the words, and he'll be, he'll be healed. And Jesus says, you're absolutely right, I can. And that's what he does. 
and the incredible faith. You want to, you want to, you want, to mar- you want Jesus to marvel at your life. Ask him to increase your faith and then to walk out and step it out in obedience in it. And we're going to see that in, in, a, in a minute here. So Jesus reveals himself. She has reached the limit, the end of her faith. Her brother has died. And she says, Lord, I, if you would have been here, I would have died. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. It's me. It's me. And then she responds to the truth that's been revealed to her and says, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. So verse 28. After she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and she went out to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. Verse 30, earlier today, just jumped off the page. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village. I feel like that's a word for someone who feels like God is so far away from you. Do you know there are times where we're walking with the Lord and it feels like he's right behind or like right beside us. We can feel him and it's just like we're walking with him. And there's other times that he's, he's there but he's not yet entered the city. He's not yet entered the village. He's, and he's saying, come to me. He's on the other side of the room. And he's saying, come over here where I'm at. There's times where God rushes in and rescues us. And there's times where he waits across the room and he beckons us. And he says, come to where I am. And this is what we see Mary do. Jesus is outside the village. And Mary goes running to Jesus. In verse 31, it says, when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn. And when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Again, we see Mary, just like Martha, had reached the end of her faith. And there's this disappointment. You can hear it in her heart. You can hear it in her faith. And I want you to know, like, the Lord's not afraid of that. The Lord's not afraid. We want us, I believe, bringing the best before the Lord, but God wants your heart. Like, he wants all of it. Any relationship, think about the best friend that you have. That's the friend that you call when you're having a bad day. That's the one that you call when something goes horribly wrong. That's the one you call when you get a job promotion or you ace a test. That best friend, he wants it all. Read the Psalms. And you'll see it, such a beautiful picture of what it is to be a friend of God. David just pouring his heart out before the Lord. And we see it's like his journal. Sometimes you're like, holy cow, David, you need to just cool, cool out, bro. He prays some crazy prayers. And it's not to, that we need to pray, Lord, take the, every enemy that I have, I want to take a jawbone of a donkey and I want, to, I want to kill them. Lord, I want you to smash their teeth out. That's like, holy David, you need some anger management classes. But listen, what, what's being communicated there is that heart before the Lord that says, every part of me is open to you, Lord. You can have it all. I'm not trying to hide anything from you. It's all available to you. And listen, if we vented to the Lord more often than we do everybody else, we'd get, save ourselves a lot of trouble. But in the same way that Jesus met Martha where she's at. Martha needed to see him as king. Martha needed to see Jesus as 
she needed the, the truth. She needed the truth of God to be revealed to her. Mary doesn't need a king in this moment. She needs a friend. She needs Emmanuel, God with us. God is a mighty warrior. Jesus is a mighty warrior, but he's also a faithful friend. He is a king, but he's also gentle and lowly. He's one that fights for us, but he's also one that walks with us. He's not afraid of your tears. The Bible says that he counts every single one of them. And so even though Jesus is on this mission, he sees his friend Mary. And in verse 33, it says, when Mary saw her weeping, and the Jews that had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Verse 35, and Jesus wept. Jesus saw his friend Mary weeping, grieving, and his heart began to break for her. His friend knowing full well what he's about to do. He is about to, to raise Lazarus from the dead, and yet he saw his friend weeping and crying and, and mourning her brother, the loss of her brother, and he is strong enough to weep with her. Do you know it's okay, even if, though everything's gonna, if you know everything's gonna be okay, it's okay to weep with a friend? Even if, if it might not seem like the end of the world to you, it's okay to mourn with those who mourn. But listen, these words in verse 35, Jesus wept, there are so much, and it's a, a message for another day, honestly, because Jesus, there's so many layers to this. Jesus is weeping for his friend, and he's, he's la for his friend Mary and for his friend Lazarus, but he's also weeping over humanity. He, in this moment, again, is weeping over the fact that from the fall of man, in, in the Garden of Eden, humanity has been subject to sin, to death, to disease. And this speaks of that word in the Greek, which is compassion, which is, it's like when the Lord stood on the mountain and he looked over the city and it said his heart was full of compassion. He wept over the city. It's seeing something and, 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 and just being moved to do something about it. Like your, your stomach, your, it says your, uh, it's like your innards, it says your, your, your vitals start to move. Your heart begins to race. You think, I got to do something about this. This, is, this is, is all in those two words, Jesus wept. It speaks of the Lord's mission, why he came to this earth. And listen, Jesus can accomplish the things that he wants to accomplish, and he can still stop and love you. He can still stop and comfort and weep with you. And so the Jews in verse 36, he says, see how he loved him. They obviously have no idea what's about to happen. This is a, a foreshadowing also of, what, of Jesus conquering death. He conquers death here by raising Lazarus, and then it's a foreshadowing of what he's about to do by conquering death himself. But they, they think, wow, he, this guy really loved his friend Lazarus. And yet he did. But it's so much more than that. In verse 37, but some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Yes, he could have. But it's an even greater testimony and even 
greater indication of the kingship and authority of Jesus to raise someone from the dead. So in verse 38, Jesus, once more deeply moved. So we need to understand, it's not like Jesus is just trying to hold back tears. He's like, he's like weeping, like visibly weeping, sobbing. He is very moved. He, it's troubled, the Bible says. He is not holding it together. He does not care what people are thinking. So Jesus, once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there had been an odor for and for he has been in there for four days. So I love how in this little verse, it doesn't even call him Lazarus anymore. He's just the dead guy. <laughs> the sister of the dead guy. He's been identified by his condition. And Jesus says in verse 40, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? Anytime we take a step of obedience in faith, there will, there will be a test. Why? Well, Mark chapter 4 tells us in the parable of the, of the sower, it says when the seeds are sowing, times of testing will come for the word's sake. Testing comes to see if something is true. So anytime in your life the Lord puts a, gives you a word, maybe it's you have a, the Lord is saying, you need to give this person $500. And you're like, whew. Okay, I'm going to do it. Just get ready, because something is going to come to tempt you to not do that. To rob you from the, the blessing that would come in blessing someone else. Maybe it's just being obedient to something in the Word, a way, one of His ways. Be sure that time of testing will come for the word's sake, so that it could be found true, so that it could have found to have root in you. So I love this. This, this the scripture is so revealing about the human heart and God, how God is so gracious with us. Because Mary, or Martha, you could feel, is like, okay, yeah, I, okay, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is coming to the world. Yep, that's great. Yes, I really believe that. And it's true. I, I really believe that, that that was something true in her heart. And then a few moments later, she's like, but, Je but Jesus, he's dead. He's like, he's been in there for four days. And he said, we just talked about this. We just, didn't I tell you, you were going to see the glory of God. There's not a moment in your life where you're going to wake up and you're gonna, the, the bell's going to go off and you're like, bing, I'm all done. I'm finished. I'm perfect now. We always grow. We always continue maturing. We always continue to grow in our faith, in the wisdom and ways of God. We grow in our prayer life. So I feel like sometimes we're, we're longing for this day where doubts aren't going to come, difficulties aren't going to come. That's just not this side of heaven. There's never going to be a day that comes where we're promised this road of ease. But it's again that day where we get on our face before the Lord and say again, Lord, show me who you are. You are the Messiah. You are the God, the Son of God who has come into this world, not to condemn it, but to save it. So in verse 41, 
So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you, have al- you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe it and, se- and that they may believe that you sent me. So Jesus says this prayer, but it's not, that prayer isn't even needed in that moment. He's doing it for those people who are watching to understand his relationship before the Father. That he and the Father are one. There's complete unity. He never does anything that he doesn't already see the Father doing. And that there's open lines of communication. So when he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. And Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes and let him go. This is a message for a different day, but in this scripture also is a great picture of how God works and how he also incorporates us into what he's doing. He told the people there to roll away the stone he told the people there to, to take off the grave, his grave clothes. But we also see that Jesus is the one that did the heavy lifting. So it is with us as we walk with him. But he invites us to be in a, part, a part of what he's doing. In verse 45, then it says, And therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary had seen what Jesus did and believed in him. And this is what Jesus was talking about all along, that the Son of God would be glorified, that people would see him for who he is, the kingship of Jesus, that Jesus is able to be king and to show and reveal himself in all of his glory as king, but also be a friend. Be a friend. Jesus can love you where you're at. He sees you. He knows your name. He knows where you live. He has your address. He's seen everything that you've walked through in this life. And he's also going to accomplish his plan. His kingdom is come now and it is yet to come. And his sovereign plan is unfolding and we get to be a part of that. But he doesn't just push us out of the way to accomplish what he wants to. He folds us in and invites us into it because he loves you. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. I apologize that I was talking so fast this evening. We serve with a, God, a God of the yesterday and a God of the now and a God of the future. I want you to know that many times we, we interact with him a lot of, of the ways in the past by working through our old stuff, but also the future. And we miss him in the moment, in the now, the God of the now. What's God doing now? What's he moving now in my heart, in my life? What does God want to purge from my heart? What does God want to do in my mind? What does God want to do with the people in my life? I'm going to pray, and then the worship team is going to lead us in a song, and we're going to transition to uh, water baptism tonight. A family affair. The truth is, is that Jesus wants to use your life and he can use you, as Paul says, as a useful instrument while also meeting every need in your life. And it doesn't have to be either or, it can be both and. That as you walk with him and he, he can draw you in close and you are hidden in him, 
so that you are perfectly perfected or protected, perfectly provided for, perfectly known. But it doesn't end there. He also created you for something. And there are purposes, there are plans that God has placed on your life for you to accomplish in this life. There are people that God has placed in your path for this moment and this season. You you might be at a job that you hate, but there is a person there that God has been orchestrating that your paths have would cross at this moment in history. You might be in a class where you sit next to someone who you can smell the alcohol every morning when they come to class. You can smell it on their breath. And the Lord has has caused your paths to cross at this moment in history so that they might see the glory of Jesus, the kingship of Jesus. And you don't have to love people around you at the sacrifice of your own needs and wants and desires. The Lord can do it all. He can do it all. He can transform your heart while using you in his transforming work everywhere that you walk. So we can come to him with our disappointments. We can come to him with our confusion. And he's got strong shoulders. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.